see what God has for us. Amen. I want to get back here in, in this pool quick as I can. Hallelujah. Amen. And we might, we never can tell, we might have, we might have one or two more we can add to. Oh, be, be, uh, uh, be in prayer about this. Uh, I told, uh, one of our deacons about this. I think Brother Douglas, uh, I told before service. But, um, uh, Lalani, uh, who is, uh, Sister Debbie's friend, uh, that comes, uh, and she has to miss uh, a lot because she is she is a nurse and she uh, that poor lady has to work some really insane hours uh, and she puts a whole lot of hours in every every week uh, as a nurse and uh, she told me that you know what keeps her going at it she looks at that as a ministry she feels like she's helping people and uh it's uh, it's like a lot of other things with uh, what women have to do. The, uh, the nurses do all the hard stuff, and the doctors make the big money. And that's about the way it is. Amen. But uh, I've been counseling with her uh, for for a little while now, and uh, she's a member of some Presbyterian church there in Nashville. She was born and raised in Catholicism, and, uh, of course, you know, they don't have a uh, a born again experience. Just if your parents is in the Catholic Church when you're born, they christen you and they sprinkle you, and you're automatically in the church from a from a, a very young baby. But there's no born again experience there. Um, she was in the Catholic Church and went from that to uh, was in a Baptist church for a while, and now she's been in uh, into a Presbyterian church for a few years. And uh, still hadn't found yet uh, uh, what she's been searching for. And uh, she's already made decision. Uh, she's been in enough services and seen the power of God move enough here. She's ready to uh, to write a letter to her Presbyterian church and say she's leaving. And um, she, uh, I've been counseling her. I gave her uh, some material about water baptism in Jesus' name, and she is studying that and praying about that, and I believe before the revival is out, she'll be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm believing that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God is doing some great things. Lives are being changed. Amen. And we thank God for it. We're going to go to the book of John this morning, the ninth chapter. We're going to read the first three verses to begin with. John chapter 9 and verses 1, 2, and 3. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin that this man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither have this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifested manifest in him. No one had sinned, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Fathers, we come today. We thank you, praise you for your love and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for this service, what we've already felt in the worship today. And now, for the next few moments, God, speak to us through your word. 
And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you today on a subject titled, Allowing Your Trial to Manifest God's Glory. Allowing Your Trial to Manifest God's Glory. Now, as we begin our study on the topic for the message, something catches my attention that is worthy of investigation before we proceed uh, and go any further. Uh, Notice the first five words of the Scripture text, and as Jesus passed by. Those five words. And as Jesus passed by, these five words scream out to me that, hey, I'm missing something. It starts out with saying, and Jesus passed by. But when I read that, something screamed out to me that I'm missing something here. Even though we have begun at the first verse of the chapter, Yet we have begun in the middle of something already going on. We must back up into the previous chapter to put it all together. Now, I've told you before down through the years, uh, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapters and verses. Chapters and verses was not put into almost a thousand years. The People had the Bible for a thousand years before somebody came along and and divided it into chapters and verses to kind of help in the reading of it. But unfortunately, the division of some of the chapters and verses are not put exactly right. And things are chopped off, and you have to sometimes back up or go ahead to figure out what's going on. And... When I first read this, and as Jesus passed by, that caught me. I've been reading the Bible enough and studying long enough. I said, hey, this is taking place in the middle of something. So we're going to back up to the 8th chapter of John, begin at about the 56th verse, and read down to the rest of that chapter, 56 through 59. Now, Jesus is talking here today to the Jews in, in, in the previous chapter. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I oh, I am. Mm -hmm. Glory. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. Look at this. Watch it now. And so passed by. And then in the very next verse of the next chapter, and as Jesus passed by. See, it's all supposed to be continued together. Amen. 
Jesus was talking to them, and uh, as he was talking to them, they got upset, and they was going to stone him right then and there, because right there he claimed that he was God. Hallelujah. He let them know right there he wasn't Jehovah Junior, he was Jehovah. Because when you look up in the original, that I am is the same thing that was spoken by Jehovah back, hallelujah, in the Old Testament. When Moses said, who shall I say it sent me? God says, you tell him I am, hallelujah, it sent you. It's a, that's what made them mad and they wanted to stone him because they knew what he was saying. Unfortunately, not like a lot of church people today who don't know that Jesus was more than a man, that he's in fact God. They knew that he was saying, hey, I'm God. I'm the only one. There's not a Hallelujah. I am. Hallelujah. They picked up rocks. They got so mad they was going to stone him. But Jesus passed by. <laughs> oh boy, I'm going to talk to the preacher. Why are you preaching with me now? Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus passed by. And then John chapter 9 verse 1. And as he passed by. <laughs> Glory. We're going somewhere with this. Hallelujah. When Jesus encountered the blind man he was passing by what was he passing by when he encountered the blind man he was passing by hatred and unbelief come on now let the word speak to you here this morning as jesus was passing by he was passing by hatred and unbelief he had just confessed that he was the great I am of the Old Testament. And it outraged the Jews so much that they wanted to stone him. So as he passed by the hatred, as he passed by the unbelief, glory to God, as he passed by all that stuff, he come to a man ready to allow his trial to manifest the glory of God. Hallelujah. Oh, do you hear what I'm saying? He passed by the unbelief. He passed by the doubt. He passed by the hatred. And as he was passing by all of that, he came to the very one that he knew was willing to allow the glory of God to be manifested in their life. Glory to God. You see, when there is doubt, unbelief, and hatred, which, by the way, is just simply another word for a lack of love. Come on. I said when there's hatred or a lack of love in your life, doubt or unbelief, Jesus will always, look at somebody and say, He will always. When you got that in your life, Jesus will always pass on by to find hearts which are ready for the glory of God to be manifested in their life. Go ahead and sit there in your doubt. Go ahead and sit there in your unbelief. Sit there and complain about everything from the music to the temperature. Nothing being right for you. And Jesus will pass you by today and you'll go home and not get nothing. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody now. We let the devil talk to us and we talk ourselves out of the blood. Jesus wants to come our way, but he passes us by because he don't see a receptive heart. He don't see a submissive will. All he sees is doubt, worry, unbelief, and hatred. And so he's going to pass by. I don't know about you, but if Jesus is going to come to my town, 
I don't want him to pass by me. Hallelujah. My, my, my. I want him to come my way. <laughs> Glory to God. I want to have an encounter with him. Glory to God. I'm not going to do anything. Amen. It will cause Jesus want to pass by. If he comes this way, I want him to find my hands raised. I want him to find me worshiping him. Giving him glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Like Ronnie said, that was, it connects right good with the word today. We better bring our faith with us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because if you don't bring your faith with you and Jesus enters in and you ain't got your faith with you, he's going to pass you by. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The word manifest means to make known, to reveal, or to make visible. He said, Jesus said that this man was born blind, that the works of God would be manifest in him, made known in him, revealed in him, made visible in him. Church, Without a willing heart of love, faith, and humility, there can be no manifestation of the glory of God in your life. You hear what I'm saying today? If you want a manifestation of the glory of God in your life, if you want to experience His power, if you want to experience His glory, then you've got to have these things operating in your life. Hallelujah. That's why... We should never let the trials and hardships which we, which come into our lives make us doubt God's power or become bitter or angry at God. Come on. I'm preaching about allowing your trial to manifest God's glory. I cannot afford to let the trials and the hardships that I go through Make me doubt the power of God. I cannot allow the troubles that I go through in life. I can't afford to cause that to make me bitter against my God. Or to be angry with my God. Hallelujah. I never will forget I walked into a funeral home one time to pay my respects and somebody of the family walked right up to me. Amen. And looked me eyeball to eyeball and said, I'm mad at God. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I cannot afford to let anything create a bitterness and an anger in my life. Because if I do, what I'm doing is creating a situation to where I'm going to remain in that trial. I'm going to remain in that hardship. I'm not going to be able to open up a gate or a doorway for Jesus to look and see my heart and heart. Amen. Amen. And take care of the situations. He's going to pass right on by. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's going to pass right on by. Hallelujah. Amen. We should always look at our trials as opportunities for God to manifest His glory and power in our lives so we can be blessed and He can be praised. We allow the trials and the hardships and the sufferings that we go through so God can manifest something in our life. And when we do that, we'll be blessed by it and God will be getting praised by it. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Now, 
We're going to get down to the, where the rubber meets the road right now. There's a, there's a couple thoughts that I'm going to share with you about this. Allowing, allowing the trials of life to manifest, uh, this, uh, the glory of God in your life. The first thing I want to let you know is God seeks not to punish you. Hallelujah. Some Christians make God so scary. Come on. That people are actually afraid of Him. Somebody said, well, I thought the Bible said we should fear God. That word fear, when it talks about fearing God, when you, when you break it down and understand what it means, it means to reverence Him. It don't mean that I go before Him like this with my head bowed. Hallelujah. If I let a child, child off my, my, my bus, and the daddy comes out to meet, and that child sees that daddy, and that, and that child, amen, acts like, a, that, that child acts like he's scared or don't want to get around that daddy. That's going to speak that something is going on that shouldn't be going on. And it's something I need to watch out for. It's one thing, amen, to have your children in obedience, as the Bible says. But it's another thing, amen, to where they're so scared to death of you, amen, they don't want to be around you. That's a problem there. And that's what I'm talking about with our relationship with God. God does not seek to punish you. I don't care what nobody tells you or have told you. I don't know why people always want to look at somebody in judgment because a person has an affliction or a problem in their life. I don't know why, but that's the first thing that the disciple says, Lord, who's sinned? Who's seeing that this man was born blind? Was it him? Or was it his mama and daddy? We always want to jump to the negative side. Come on, somebody. Amen. Who sinned? Amen. That this man was born blind. And like I said, I don't know why so many people all want want to, to get into judgmentalism and start telling people, well. You've had to do something wrong, or you wouldn't be going through that. Come on now. If you hadn't sinned, if you hadn't missed God, you wouldn't be suffering those things you're suffering. You know what I say about that? Bull. You can go peddle that stuff somewhere else. We're not buying it around here. Come on. Hallelujah. I said you can peddle that crap somewhere else. We ain't buying it around here. Glory to God. It's not God's desire to punish you. Hallelujah. Who's sinned, Lord? Hallelujah. I went to the hospital visit somebody one that was laying up in a bed sick. And I went in there. Amen. If they didn't have enough on them, they was all upset, crying and worried because somebody in the church had then come up there and sat there by their bedside. Well, if you hadn't sinned, you wouldn't be up here. You know what that makes me want to do, Brother Wayne? That makes when somebody when I when I hear that, that makes me want to do what the Bible says: lay hands on them, but without prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God! 
I want everybody to know that God does not seek to punish you. He's a loving God. He's your heavenly Father. But this always has seemed to be the norm for some reason. Every time somebody's going through a problem, everybody wants to point a finger and blame them. Let's go back, let's go back, uh, uh, 900 years or better. Remember Job? History friends? As I told somebody one time, with you as my friend, I do not need an enemy. Hallelujah. This is what they said. Job chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Let me read down through that quickly here. Hallelujah. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, this is one of Job's three friends who come to him when they heard about his troubles. If he has said to commune with thee, wilt thou uh, be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholded in him that was fallen, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now, <laughs> oh boy, but now it's come upon thee, and you're fainting. And it touches you, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent. You see, what his friend was telling him, Job, if you was innocent, this wouldn't be happening to you. That's what he was saying in our language. Whoever perished being innocent. Oh, where will the righteous come? If you was as righteous as everybody claimed you was, you wouldn't be in this mess. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You know what I'm doing right now? I am, I'm rebuking a bunch of apostolic bigots. Hallelujah. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be peddling the, uh, the gospel, preaching the gospel, telling the gospel. And the last I remember, it's been, I know, I know my mind is going. I'm getting, I'm getting older and I'm, uh, I'm forgetting a lot of stuff. But the best that I can recollect, the last time I, de- I looked up the definition of the word gospel, it means good news. Was this friend of Job's giving him any good news? No, I think not. Whoever perished being innocent, where was, where were the righteous cut off? Even if I had seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. He had to hear all that from this guy and a lot more, and his other two so-called friends. And if I had time, I would turn over and show you. Finally, after uh, after a lot of it said and done, he said, "Whoa, wait a minute." He says, "Miserable comforters are ye all." Hallelujah. You, I thought you come here to encourage me. I thought you come to lift me up. Hallelujah. He said, miserable comforters are you all. You see, when someone is suffering, when somebody's going through something, listen to me, church. When someone is suffering, they need love, understanding, and compassion. They don't need somebody telling them everywhere they're, every point they're wrong in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Just because they are going through a trial doesn't mean they have sinned or disobeyed God in some way. 
Sometimes God has chosen them as a candidate to manifest His glory and His power. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Amen. Remember the title of the message? Hallelujah. Allow your trial to manifest God's glory. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus told them back then when they asked Him who had sinned, this man or his parents. He said, nobody sinned, but the works of God may be what? Manifested in them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So when someone is suffering, they need love, understanding, and compassion. Just because they are going through a trial doesn't mean they have sinned or disobeyed God in some way. Sometimes God has just picked that person like He picked that man before His birth as a candidate to show and to manifest His glory and power. And guess what? If you wouldn't be so judgmental, God could use you as the vessel to effect that power. Wow. Hallelujah. You see, God does not seek to punish us every time we become misguided or get off course. Judgment Day, it's coming, that's for sure. I'm not denying that. Judgment Day is coming. And even today, as children of God, we know that God will chastise us or correct us is a better terminology there. He'll correct us in the proper phase of it. But thank God we are still in the dispensation of grace. Hallelujah. And grace and judgment just don't mix. It's like oil and water. It don't go together. Quit trying to put judgment on people as long as we're still in the dispensation of grace. God stirred my heart about this, folks. This is one reason why we run more people off than we get them in. Hallelujah. We want to judge them. We want to. Oh, you ain't, you don't, you're not dressed to suit me today. We don't give them a chance to come in. Hallelujah. We got a few, we got a few fishermen around here. And you don't go out fishing. You don't clean the fish before you catch him. You gotta catch him first. That's why maybe some people, and I've heard it, I've heard it so many times. A lot of people in the world, they think that they gotta get right first before they can come to church. They think they got to get perfect first before they can come to church. Hallelujah. They think they got to get every, all the problems worked out. Then they can come to church. Well, guess what? They'll never come to church. Did you hear me? Glory to God, because even after, even after 40 some years of, of preaching, I still ain't got it all together. I still got issues that Sammy Pruitt has to deal with. But you know what? As God was giving me this message and I was praying about it, it seemed like the Lord spoke in my spirit that the reason why a lot of people think that they got to get perfect before they come to church is because they, they fear us church folks looking down their noses at them. Come on. 
Come on, somebody. You see, it's been so long since some of us has been forgiven for all that rottenness in our lives. I think that some of us have forgot what we used to be like. And to tell the truth, you still can be like if somebody ruffles your feathers the wrong way. You can still, you can still. Can I preach? Come on. We can spill that, spill be that way when that guy or that woman cuts you off as you're going down the road. I, I, that's somebody else. I ain't never done nothing like that. Look at that crazy thing cut me off like that. All right, we'll quit meddling. Go ahead and keep preaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> Judgment day's coming. And God will chastise those He loves. I, I, I apologize for the word, but this is what the Bible says. If we don't have chastisement or correction, then we are bastards and not sons. But it, it's God's intention is not to punish you. We are still in the dispensation of grace. And grace and judgment just don't come together. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 11 through 13. And I've got to, I got to rush on. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Now he didn't say republicans, he said publicans. There's a difference. (laughs) Glory to God. Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. The church should be a hospital. The church is a place where people should feel welcome, that they can come in, that's got the, got the scars and the filth and the scum of the world all over them. And they, they are dying. They got a terminal disease. And it's worse than when there's a physical disease. The disease that they got, amen, it's a spiritual disease. And if they die, it's going to be eternal death away from God. Hallelujah. And they need to feel the love of God when they come to the hospital that God has created. They that hold don't need a physician, but they that are sick. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he, Jesus had a, little, had a little humor right here. He said, you go and learn what that means. In other words, in uh, and, and my language, he said, I realize you boys are a little slow. You, you're gonna, it's going to take some time for you to go and study this. Amen. Before you figure out what, what I'm meaning by this. But he said, but listen to this. He says, I, I don't care what you're going to do. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. 
God says, I'm not here to sacrifice you because of your sins and your wrongs and your misgivings and all that stuff. I come that you may have life and have... Glory to the Lamb of God. He said, I'm going to have mercy. Hallelujah. And I'm going to go eat and drink, amen, and have fellowship with whoever I know that's out there who needs my presence. Oh, do you hear me today? I don't know about you, but I need the presence of God in my life. Even when I am not always right, I still need his presence. When I get off on the wrong trail, I need his presence. Because if I don't get his presence, I may not never get back on the right trail. Hallelujah. So God don't seek to punish you. I could go on about that, but let me move on to the final point. I want to talk briefly about an opportunity in every trial. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bear with me, because I'm going to tell you, I was in communion with God early this morning before the sun came up while it was still dark. I was in communion with the Lord. Didn't know what I was going to be talking about today. And He instilled this in my spirit. There's an opportunity in every trial we encounter in life. You see, God has a reason in every situation we face. It might not always be obvious. That's why we should take the time to look for it. Come on. Stop and think. Now listen to this. Now I've preached about this man many times in different, different message titles and different kind of messages. But the Lord gave me an aspect about this that I have never thought about before. The Lord spoke to me through communion and gave me something about this that of all the times I've talked about this man born blind, I've never preached it. But I want to share it with you what God shared with me. If this man had not been born blind, more than likely... He would have never had an encounter with the Savior of the world. Think about that. We focus on the bad. Oh, it's bad that this, this child grew up blind. And this man now he's still been blind all these years. That must be terrible. We look at it on the fleshly side. Not on the spiritual, but I'm here to tell you, if this man had not been born blind, he would have never had an encounter with the Savior of the world. Blindness was his opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ. Blindness was his opportunity. His trial was his opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ. 
And I come to tell somebody that what you've been going through, what you've been fighting and battling against this is a very opportunity God has created for you to have an encounter with Him. And once you have an encounter with Him and you get on the other side, you're going to say it was worth it. It was worth it. So what? I was blind. Lord, you got but now I see. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, you got I was was lost. But now I'm found. Let your trial be a source for you to encounter the King of Kings. Thank you, Jesus. Most of the time, when trials of life hit us, we don't take the time to wonder or consider how can God use this to manifest His glory? Most of the time, especially when something hits people that's pretty devastating, most of the time we ask, God, why me? Amen? That's usually the first thing that comes out of our lips. Why me, Lord? You see... When we do that, we make it more about us than about how to glorify Him. But God has a twofold purpose in every trial that we encounter. <coughs> there might be some other ways that you can branch off, but there's two main purposes, and everything that you go through with. And neither one of them has to do about whether or not you've sinned or not, or done wrong or not. First and foremost, the trials and the pains of life that we encounter, they come to bring glory and honor to God. So His power can be revealed in our suffering. Now, if you've been listening to all that pat your back and make you feel good sermons, you're completely formed of any concept of that. But I want to burst your bubble. If, if some of them TV preachers has got you thinking that, i got to burst your bubble because Christianity has always been known as a crucified way. It's always been known. Hey, we call ourselves apostolic and we, we tell people, what is, when people ask us what apostolic means, we like to tell them, amen, well, you know, we, we believe Acts 2.38 and we believe what the apostles teach. Well, if we, if we believe what the apostles teach and we and really, really understand everything that the early church went through, you're gonna, you go back and you look again. They knew what suffering was. They knew what pain was. From the get-go, Christianity has always been about affliction and suffering for the name of Jesus. Do you know what God said about the Apostle Paul before he became the Apostle Paul? Back when his name was Saul? When God had it in his mind to call him, and he spoke to that one 
one uh, prophet and says, you go and you go to him. I, w- I want you to lay hands on him and heal him of his blindness. You, and he, wasn't, he, was, he was the one that baptized him, Paul and all that. And, but he says, hey, I've heard about this guy. He's the one that's been making habit of the church. He's the one that's been putting Christians in, 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 in penitentiaries and all that. And you know what God, you know what God had ordained about the Apostle Paul before he's even called? He says, you go to him and you let him know how many great things he must suffer for my namesake. Did not he tell him that? Oh, my. Kind of looks like it don't mean we're all going to be driving Lexus. And living, I just seen an advertisement of a private island for sale down in the Bahamas area. It's about seven, seventeen billion dollars, and show man some man. You talk about something beautiful and all that stuff. Well, God had never promised us none of that. <laughs> But you know what? There's a mansion being paired for me that'll make that look a shack. Glory to God by the railroad track. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Glory. Listen, I, I, I can't quote all the Bible, but man, I, I, I can quote all of this. Amen by heart, word by word. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself and where I am also ain't no mansion on earth come close to that hallelujah so the first and foremost our trials and our suffering is to bring glory and honor to God then also they're to bring us to the fullness of that glory so you and I can walk in the fullness of the glory of God. Now, I've, there's a lot of scriptures here, but I, I've got to read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 17. Hallelujah. Listen to this. I wish I had time to break all this down. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure he's talking about there is the, is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. They're not in uh, heavenly vessels. I hate to tell you, your body ain't been redeemed yet. It's still of the earth. The Holy Ghost inside you is holy and pure and powerful. Hallelujah. But you're still at time can be kind of a little scoundrel. Hallelujah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the reason for that is that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. God chose, amen, to keep us connected at one point to the flesh and to the earth so we wouldn't get the big head. 
So we wouldn't want to take all the glory and all the praise. Hallelujah. He allows us to have some trouble and trial from earth to glory so we'll know to give him the praise. Glory to God. If I hadn't had a problem, I would have never known the problem solver. Glory to God. If I had never been sick, I never would know he could heal. If I had never been lost, I would know I could be found. Oh, oh I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like I'm 14 year old preaching again hallelujah I'm feeling good here give me a tent pole I might swing around it hallelujah that'd be a sight for sure now I like what he said here we are troubled on every side yet not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Oh, Lord. I, I can't talk about each one of this. I don't have time, but I, I want to read them. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's a purpose for your trials. That's a purpose of the junk you got to endure. God wants to manifest His glory through your life. Wow. Verse 12. Let's, let's read verse 12. So then death worketh in us but life in you. We have in the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believe and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many down to the glory of God. Not your glory, but his glory. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward men perish. Yeah, I'm getting older. When I get up out of bed now, I can hear some screeks. When I kneel down to pray, I can hear some pops sometimes. Lord of God, I'm going to apply for a job at Kellogg's Rice Krispies. Snap, crackle, and pop. Hallelujah. I got it all. Hallelujah. For which cause we fate not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. <laughs> now listen, all that stuff Paul went through, look what he had. This man had the gall to say this. He says, our light affliction. <laughs> light affliction? Why have we been boohing so much for? Crying. Having a pity party so much. Paul said, what you've gone through is just light. Hello, somebody. Take it up with Paul. He said it, not me. I'm just, I'm just reading his words. For our light affliction is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Yes, there is a reason for the pain. One more scripture, and I'm going to close. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. I had to include this because we all know about 
Paul's affliction, his thorn of the flesh, that he prayed for three times for God to take away. Even though this man prayed and raised the dead, yet God didn't answer this prayer, but he, gave, he, gave, he spoke to him, and it was enough for him. <laughs> he said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Smith Wigglesworth, his fame is known abroad in the early Pentecostal church. The miracles that operated under that man's ministry <coughs> had never been known since the time of Paul. It has been said, I have read in writings of his books, on one particular occasion, and I think it happened more than once, he went to the home of somebody that a dead person was laid out. They used to lay them out in their homes back then. They didn't have funeral homes to go to all the time. They would lay them out in their homes. I've had, I remember going to a funeral in somebody's living room one time years ago. I was very young. Smith Wigglesworth one time. It was back before the days of people were embalmed and all that stuff. Grabs a dead man that had been dead four days. Pushes him up against the wall and says, I command life to come into you in Jesus' name. The man coughed and sneezed three times, opened up his eyes and walked away. Many miracles follow this man. But on his personal life, Paul here, Paul, he said, there was, he said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The measure, messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Smith Wigglesworth, all the miracles that he'd done, I found out that the man had both kidneys filled with kidney stones. And the man suffered beyond belief in pain and agony. And I understand about that. I've been there. I've done that. I read, I got one book in my office that talks about him. He would go and preach and minister in a, in a meeting for uh, uh, two and a half or three hours. I didn't pray for people and see all kind of miracles, people being healed, set free, and delivered, and go back and walk into his room at night and literally collapse on the floor, not have enough strength to crawl up on his bed and sleep, would lay out on the floor all night because he was doubled up with pain because of the kidney stones. He never was healed of them, delivered of them. He suffered them, but that was his thorn in the flesh. A lot of people want the anointing of God, but they don't want to endure the suffering that sometimes people with a great anointing have to go through. Because we're still flesh. If Paul didn't have that, go ahead and put the next verse up, 12 and 8. For this thing I besought the Lord 
thrice or three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My Lord, Paul knew, even though he was a man of God, everything God gave him, he wrote most of the New Testament. Paul knew that he would get the big head and start taking the credit and glory. And God knew it, and God loved him enough to let him suffer so he wouldn't disobey God. Wow. Now, wall on, uh, uh, chew on that a while before you swallow it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My Lord. So, in closing, <coughs> I want Brother Darrell to come up here and hopefully his guitar's tuned. I don't know. I want him to play and sing something. We're going to first give a little bit if anybody wants prayer. And then we're going to have a baptizing. But church, allow your trial to manifest God's glory. If you're going through something, if you're having to put up with something, why not let God get some glory out of it? Come on. Because if you allow God to get some glory out of it, you're going to get blessed from it. Amen. I'm living proof. Man, I went through all kind of junk all week long. And I, I told some, some of you know what I, one thing after another this whole week. Hallelujah. From things going wrong at the church, the church building, things going wrong at the house. Things going wrong on the school bus. <clears throat> but before the week was over, I found out what it was all about. Because Friday night, I got the text message, I believe it was Friday night, from Ronnie at Chloe. Just want to be baptized. When I heard that, I forgot all about everything I went through this past week. A few weeks ago, people were some people were lined up several blocks out 